What a testimony she brings. Yes, church? Wow. And uh, to Linda, Steve, and Duane for sharing personally this morning. Some pain that's more recent and some that's a little older for allowing us in. Thank you for your testimony. Dr. Bob, thanks for planning worship today. It is good when you come back home. I've been telling people that I'm not sure Bob Soderbloom is still a member of the Calamasa Church. I know he's in Afghanistan and Trinidad, but I know today you're in Calamasa, Bob. Welcome home. Stay now, huh? We got to get through Christmas. And to those of you who are visiting, family and friends, welcome to the Calamasa Church. Uh, this is your place of worship for today, and we are so delighted you're with us. We are continuing a conversation from last week. We'll start our sermon time just as we ended last week, and I'm, I'll invite you to read this passage aloud from, Rome, from Philippians 4, verse 4, what you've been hearing for the last few minutes here. Paul writing to his friends across the ocean, Paul bound in chains in prison, but to a precious group of people across the Aegean Sea, he instructs them. Would you read with me this morning? Rejoice in the Lord again. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoicing is this season, isn't it? Rejoicing is this week. I've been observing all week long. As some of you have come home from college, you're rejoicing because your schedule has changed. You're not studying. You're sleeping in. You're eating some home-cooked food. Food good, Mark and Lisa? Yeah, it's not Walla Walla Cafeteria, is it? Pretty good, Mr. Haddad? Yeah? It's not PUC food either. Your schedules are a little adjusted. It's good to be home. It's good, parents and grandparents, when we see everyone gather, those we love who we haven't seen for, for a while in familiar places, familiar faces. It's a week of rejoicing. I've been watching it a little this week. I observed Joy with my daughter, our younger daughter, Elisa, decided that she wanted to try this Black Friday shopping. <laughs> so I don't have to tell the story now, yes? I remember it's not been that many years when that Black Friday shopping started at 4 and 5 a.m. at Target and stores like that. Do you remember? And I thought it was ridiculous then. Who gets up at 4 a.m.? But my little one found a place that opened at midnight. And because we weren't, we weren't real comfortable with her driving around at 1, 2, and 3 a.m. alone, we want her to be alive for her counseling as a young adult when she's recovering from our parenting. We want her alive, so I drove her. We went to a place that opened at midnight, Ontario Mills Mall. How ridiculous is this? Did any of you go? How ridiculous in the back row. I kept thinking, you went too over, Grace, were you there? Isaac, were you there? My friends? You were in Cabazon, a little higher class, but still ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. We're driving to the, the mall out the Interstate 10, and I'm telling Lise, who does this? What kind of people do this? I cannot imagine there will be anybody. It's 12 a.m., 11.45, we're driving on the freeway. We haven't even gone to bed. Crazy people. I can't imagine all the way out there, that was my refrain, what kind of stupid people do this? Can't, there's, there won't be anybody there, I thought, until we come to the exit on the freeway. It is so crowded, we can't get off the freeway. And every entrance into that parking lot, you've been to the Mills Mall, that, re, that huge parking lot, you could not find a slot. 
in that parking lot, in the outer extended parking lot. What kind of people do this, I ask myself. Apparently, the entire Inland Empire does this. <laughs> Everyone was there. And what the horror on the outside was only magnified on the inside. <laughs> Crazy people. I'm walking, trying to move through the mall, and I'm thinking, who are you people? Why are you here? You're supposed to be home. You don't have any money to spend. I've been reading the newspaper, right? You don't have any money to spend. October, lowest consumer spending since 2001, September 11, terrorist attacks. Did you know that? These people don't have any money. What are they doing in the mall? More and more and more people crowding in, longer lines. What are you doing here? You're supposed to be afraid and nervous right now with the economy. Go home. What are you doing here? There's not even a product to stand in line for this year. There's no iPhone, no Nintendo Wii. Go home, you people. What could be so good that you would stand at the mall for two and three and four hours? What, what kind of savings between midnight and 5 a.m.? Really? How could this be smart? So I wear my only purchase. <laughs> because I'm not going to the mall at midnight and coming home with nothing. <laughs> Okay, fine, $19.99 from $59.99. Was it really worth it? Who are these people? <laughs> and the nation's number one retailer has a marketing slogan for the holidays, stock up on joy. That retailer will survive this recession. Stock up on joy. And in America, it seems that it continues to be Wallet. The wallet and joy somehow go together. It's not a new idea. We just keep playing with it. The Apostle Paul, Philippians chapter 4, gives us an instruction on joy. Last week, for those of you who weren't here, here's a little recap, but you really shouldn't miss church, by the way. Last week, this is what happened. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I suggest we should, could interpret that word rejoice as be glad, be well, thrive in God's accomplishments, not ours. That's the key to the phrase. Be glad, be well, thrive because God is God. Because as she's saying earlier, God is able. Be glad, be well, thrive. Move away from a self-centered living to a God-centered living, which is so challenging for humans. You can be glad and be well and thrive because of God's accomplishments, God's abilities, God's potential for the future. So be glad, rejoice in God's goodness. Way to read the passage. I also said last week, it's an informed joy, as we heard testimony to earlier this morning. This joy is informed by the dark, calloused side of life. One theologian, probably the best theologian of the 20th century, says, for the Apostle Paul, it's a nevertheless kind of joy. I'm in chains, nevertheless, rejoice. I'm alone and hungry, nevertheless, rejoice. I'm isolated, I don't know about the future, nevertheless, I rejoice. I am uncertain about almost everything, but I come through the other side and rejoice because I am certain about God. That's the nevertheless informed kind of joy from Philippians chapter 4. Biblical joy, last week, so different than the joy the world chases after at 1 a.m. at the mall. Biblical Christian joy. Philippians 4, 
continuing on now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your minds and your hearts in Christ Jesus. The paragraph is packed with practical priorities in this letter. It's not unlike Paul when he gets to the end of his letter to throw in a few practical ideas, but Philippians, the entire letter, has been fairly practical already. So we come to the end and we wonder what possibly more could Paul add as he's signing off at the end. Here is a list of priorities And I'll be honest with you, when I chose this passage a few weeks ago for these two Thanksgiving Sabbaths, I envisioned it going like this. I was pretty clear. Week one, rejoice in the Lord always. Understand where the source of this joy is, whose accomplishments we celebrate. Week one. Week two, the prayer of thanksgiving. It's a clear, almost a formula in in this scripture passage. Present all of your needs to to God, bathed in thanksgiving. We are free to make our requests after we we express gratitude to God and we, we announce God's goodness, the good and the rightness God is about, a righteous God making all things right. Bathe our prayer in thanksgiving. Be honest about how good God is and then say it all. The text says, let all your petitions be known. Say whatever it is in your head and in your heart. Whatever it is you're experiencing, let God know. If there isn't a whole lot happening, you just say to God, you know, there's, I'm not, I don't have a lot to say today. If you come to a moment where there's a lot of questions, you say to God, this is what I'm working on now. If there is anger, a, a day or a week or a season, you express to God, I'm feeling very angry because, and where have you been? If you are totally astonished by God, you say, God, you amaze me today. Because the passage says, let it all be known. God is safe, can handle, can hear, can listen to. Whatever it is you have to say to God. So I thought on week two of Thanksgiving Sabbath, we would be reminded of this. That the Thanksgiving prayer has these two components. A prayer bathed in gratitude to God for God's goodness and an honest prayer. Letting God know where we stand. I thought we would be reminded that it is wise to communicate this way, that withholding this from God does none of us any good. God already knows. I'm the one that needs to be reminded. Withholding this kind of communication helps no one. I thought we would be reminded of this today. Two components of the Thanksgiving prayer. I thought it would be a nice Thanksgiving sermon, actually. The best part, the passage says, what will come to you and I when we interact this way with God is a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that can only come from God, that the world could never market or manufacture, a peace Jesus also spoke to his disciples about. This was to be part two of our Thanksgiving passage. And we show a few images of passing our food baskets out this last weekend, maybe a few images of our House of Decision, our Wednesday project, so we could feel good that we were in the community on Thanksgiving sharing our love. We'd sing, now thank we all our God, or whatever Dr. Bob chose, and we would go home. It was, that's what today was to be. And then, 
something intruded on this acceptable plan. I read the text again. I read the text again, friends. What a wonderful habit for a Christian to be in. Read the text again. What a wonderful habit when you're feeling anxious in your life. Read the text again. What a wonderful plan when we're concerned about our world that seems out of control. Read the text again. I read the text again. And something wiggled and bubbled and moved and wouldn't lay silent. See, I knew all the other components of this passage. I know rejoice in the Lord always. So do you. I know with thanksgiving make all your petitions known to God. You know that. I know there's a peace that passes all understanding. We sang about it last Sabbath. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. I even know Philippians 4, 8. What comes after? You know it too because you grew up memorizing these texts in Sabbath schools. Anybody who's done memory verses knows what comes next in Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is pure and honorable, noble, lovely, think on these things. But what I didn't know was verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Let your evident gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, and two thoughts immediately come. The first is, and I'm not sure this little paragraph is prioritized in any way. In other words, rejoice in God's accomplishments, and then an unfolding list of priorities, the most important listed first. I'm not sure the paragraph is really put together that way, but I am very intrigued that the very next instruction after rejoicing in God's accomplishments, the next instruction for us is let your gentleness be evident to every person. I'm intrigued by that. And while the thoughts may not be sitting side by side intending to be connected, I'm also intrigued that the very next idea is because the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to each and every person. That's how we ought to read that. The Lord is near. The Lord is near, that's a phrase almost lost on us today because we rarely use it. But for the first Christians, for those that would be reading this letter, listening to this letter, they would understand because when they gathered, inherent in their gathering is the testimony, the Lord is near. The inbreaking, the second coming through the clouds of glory when God really does set all things right. That Lord, that coming is near. Early Christians understood that. Every time they gathered, they testified to that. Adventist Christians understand this also. We understand it so well, we took the name Advent Christians. So also inherent in our gathering when we come together is the idea, not Always expressed, though, these days, the Lord is near. There's another way to read that phrase, I believe. The Lord is near can be understood this way, that when people live according to the Jesus principles in life, when disciples of Jesus decide that they will live according to the kingdom priorities of Jesus, of God, rather than the kingdom priorities of the world and the earth, when we decide to be disciples and enact Jesus' priorities, the kingdom is also near. The Lord is near. That's why Jesus said it so often. The kingdom is at hand. The Lord, the Lord is near. You are nearer to the kingdom now 
when you behave this way. That's another meaning for the kingdom is near. The kingdom of God is at hand. Let your gentleness be known to each and every person. The Lord is near. I didn't know it was there in the passage. I cannot begin to express to you in these few minutes we have left this morning all the possible ways we could let God's gentleness be known in our world. I could not begin to express all the ways you could let God's gentleness be known in your homes and in your relationships and in your business associations and at your school. I can look at the world and see a world in great need of gentleness. Would you agree? So I was in Sacramento Airport a few weeks ago. Now Sacramento is that little up-and-coming city. But they're made, they've made it on my top ten list. They have free internet in that, that airport. It is a wonderful little airport. Our pastor Dustin uh, comes in and out of Sacramento. I was there a few weeks ago. Oh, and the rental car counter went to get my rental car. Now you know that they sell in car insurance with every one of these cars. These days, more car insurance than car they sell. You could pay more for your premium insurance package than you can for the daily rate of the car, and you know that. I was in my line renting a car from a certain dealership, and I could listen to the counter over here where a conversation was taking place. A young adult, a woman, was renting a car, and the sales associate was attempting to sell her the premium insurance package. The young adult was saying, I just can't, can't understand why I need all of this insurance. It costs more than the car. Well, believe me, you need it. You, you, you need it, and you really want to take it. Just can't imagine who needs that much insurance on a car. It was a serious question. Right behind her was another customer, a young adult male. He said, oh, let me tell you. I, I know why you should get all of that insurance. Let, let me tell you why you need it. Because, you see, i got a friend, and I have a friend who rented a car. He went to South Carolina. He went to the checkout stand. He rented himself a car. He got the maximum amount of insurance he could buy. He took the whole package on that car, drove it across town, and entered that car in a demolition derby. had the best time of his life, <laughs> got out of the car and walked away because he had the premium insurance. <laughs> that woman, the young woman said, I'm not going to a demolition derby today. <laughs> that we live in a world where people could think to do this. <laughs> that we live in a world where we can't even get through Black Friday shopping without two people dying. Security guard, a worker, someone else shot at a toy store. This is America. Mumbai, India. That's just this week's example of a world missing gentleness. 183 people dead thus far. I can't begin to imagine all of the ways God's gentleness could be expressed in your lives, but I can see a world that needs it. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the apostle Paul says, and I think he means all the people outside of our fellowship. It is a wise idea to practice gentleness inside our fellowship, but let make sure it's known out there. Now, Paul could say anything right now. He's wrapping up his letter. He's been trying to wrap up since chapter 3. 
He's got a little pregnant paragraph here. He could say anything after he says rejoice in God's accomplishments. And he leads with let your gentleness be evident to every single person you meet. He doesn't say let your doctrine be evident to everyone you meet. He doesn't say let your, your uniqueness be evident to everyone you meet. He doesn't say let your good accomplishments as church be evident to everyone you meet. Let people know why, why you're right. He doesn't say that. He says, let your gentleness be known. Now, footnote, he's already said, stand firm, which I take to mean stand firm in what you believe. Stand firm in your faith. Stand firmly attached to the values of God's kingdom. He doesn't say lead with that, though. Lead with gentleness. It's an amazing instruction to me, an instruction I didn't know was sitting right there in the paragraph. Many of us, this holiday and this time of the year, especially 2008, the question is coming often now, is it the time of the end, and how do we know? In the bulletin the last few weeks, we've had a little insert for sermon suggestions. For those of you participants in this congregation, you've been submitting your ideas, sermons you'd like to hear for 2009. Again and again on these little cards comes back the idea of end time living. How should we then live now? How is it different than when we, what we were supposed to live 10 and 20 and 50 years ago? How is it unique for Adventist Christianity? Do our timelines and prophecies, do they still matter today? Is anybody going to talk about those anymore? End time living, we want to hear about it. That's come back on the cards. The Apostle Paul has end-time living counsel this morning. When the Lord is near, let your gentleness be evident to every person. Adventist Christians, if you're worried, concerned that these are the end times, if you believe you're seeing the last days of Earth's history, let your evidence be known to every person you meet today. Don't let it go missing this week and next week and between now and Christmas and as we start the new year. If you believe you're in end times, the Bible says, let your evidence be known, your gentleness be known. And I believe it also means when your gentleness is known, when your gentleness is evident, people really can see the Lord is near. So, yes, we took our food to the House of Decision on Wednesday. What a wonderful holiday. I don't need another holiday meal ever in my life. I could do House of Decision forever. House of Decision, for those of you who don't know, just a few miles away. We adopted them sort of last year. It's a, it's a, residential, treat, a residential home for people who don't have a place to live, people recovering from addiction, people just let out of jail, people who have so much disruption at home with, with domestic issues that home's not safe. 50, 60 residents, women, infants, children, men too, about 15 men now, live on separate sides of this 15 acres, and someone among the young families got a good idea. We would take Thanksgiving dinner to them. So Caroline Kim and Maggie Cotton organized it. We spent your money, by the way, and we cooked them a wonderful meal on Wednesday. We met here at the kitchen, several hours of cooking, and then someone was wise enough to know, let's not just drop the food off when we get over there. What if we sit down and eat with them? Because that person knew 
what Jesus teaches. When you sit at a table and break bread, you announce the kingdom of God. The healing begins, and so we took the food. And next week, we hope to be able to show you a video on the other end of what happened out there. If I never have another sit-down Thanksgiving meal with china and napkins and all of that, it, it would never matter again. I would give the, all of that up for a house of decision holiday to watch people receive the gentleness of a congregation church. And as it was finishing and we were packing to leave, one of the young men pulled aside one of our party and said, you Seventh-day Adventist Kalamesa, that's the affectionate way they refer to us, Seventh-day Adventist Kalamesa Church, you people are good people. I'd just like to bless you back. And I'm not sure what I can do, and I'm not sure what I can give you, and I really don't know what you need, but there must be somebody in your church who needs something I could do. So if it's all right, could I just have a phone number, a person I could call so that I can make that phone call and figure out how I could bless you back? Seventh-day Adventist of Calamesa. Just want to bless you back. So we just let our gentleness be known, and the Spirit goes from there. I have no idea where all of these acts of gentleness will lead, but I am so persuaded. I cannot be convinced otherwise. I would love to have you try to persuade me otherwise that this is not what end-time living is about. I am so persuaded, in fact, that this is Christian end-time living, and it is also Adventist Christian end-time living. Let your gentleness be known. You could not lose, church. Do you notice end-time living? It's not just for you and yours. It's just not for me and mine. Let your gentleness be known to the world. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul says. Rejoice in God's accomplishments. Let your gentleness be known. Make sure no one misses it. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. Let God know all of those things you're worrying about. In thanksgiving, let him have it. And then watch, because the peace that only God can distribute will come to you. And the church shall say, Amen.